Well, good morning. Um, my name is Vince Farrell, like Pastor Brandon said, and I just want to say what a privilege and honor it is to be able to do what we're doing. And what we're doing is we're trying to be a group of ministers uh, in Hopkinsville that truly understand that it's not about us. It's about Jesus and his kingdom. Amen? Will you repeat that with me? Say this with me. It's about Jesus and his kingdom. Yeah, and so over the last several weeks at Journey Church, we've had different uh, ministers come. We've had um, Restoration House. We've had Second Baptist. We've had Mount Olive this morning. Uh, Pastor Brandon's going to be there, and, and he, um, he's actually doing me a favor because I had someone in my church ask me, Pastor Vince, when are you ever going to preach again? And I said, well, I get to preach twice at Edgewood. Two services, so I think that kind of makes up for it this morning. Now, it is such a privilege to be able to connect with you. How many of you have your Bibles? If you would, go ahead and grab it. Um, we're going to be continuing the series, Living Hope. <clears throat> now, for those of you just joining us, those of you watching online that you're just tuning in, um, we're going to be talking about this man who was born Simeon. He was part of the original 12 and when he made his confession of who Jesus was, then Jesus changed his name to Peter, or what we would call Petros, which means big rock. And those of you, if I have any of the Christians from the 90s, you remember the rock group Petra? Anyone? Show of hands. All right, a couple of us. Yeah, Petra, which meant little rock. And so Petros means big rock. Peter, upon this rock, is what he's saying, I will build my church. Which means, for those of us in this room and watching online, that we confess to being a Christ follower, we confess to being a Christian, that means there should be some form of transformation in our life. That we were lost and now we're found. That we were blind and now we see that we used to cuss and now not so much, right? I mean, there should be this transformation process in our life that there's something different about us. And so Jesus tells Peter that he's going to be uh, speaking on Jesus' behalf, on the Messiah. He's going to be proclaiming the good news to the Jews. And that's what we see in the book of Acts, that Peter and the disciples sharing the gospel of what Jesus did, that he died and he rose again. And then later on, eventually beyond the borders of Israel. And that's what we see happening. Decades later, after Acts, Peter is in Rome sending letters to Christians in Asia Minor, which is uh, modern-day Turkey. And he learns that Christians are there, they're being persecuted. They're being treated with hostility, harassed, and so he wrote some letters of encouragement for the believers in their suffering. And I want us to understand this because this helped explain the context of what we're talking about. And let me just kind of map it out for us as we talk about 1 Peter. 1 Peter 1, 1 through 2, there's the greeting. Then in verse 3 through 12, it's the song of praise. Then 1, 13, Verses uh, chapter 2 through 10, it's this new family identity. And this is where we're going to find ourselves this morning. That he's speaking about 
us Christians today, that we have a new identity. And then he goes on to the rest of it in chapter 2, verses uh, all the way through chapter 4, talking about how our suffering is to be a witness unto Jesus. And how we handle the things of life is what shows the world around us that's going through the exact same things that we are, that there's something different about us. And so, that sets up chapters four and five and the focus in the future. But what I want us to do is dive in to chapter two. If you're in First Peter chapter two, we're going to look at verses one through 10. And this is actually the conclusion of helping us understand our identity in Christ. If you have your Bibles there, and I'm, I'm taking kind of a, a footnote from what I do at my church. And I stopped. I used to put all the scripture verses on the screen because I love technology I love the ability that we have to use it for the gospel's sake, whether it be YouTube or TikTok or any other platform, I believe it's powerful that we can get the message out, amen? And so over the last several years, I've kind of made some adjustments, mainly due to Pastor Kamar Rache, who said, I'm going to quit putting scripture verses on the screen because I love people so much, I want them to bring their Bible. So I've kind of adapted that. So if you have your Bible... I would encourage you to follow along with me. If you don't have a physical Bible with you, but perhaps you have a smartphone with the Bible app, follow along as we read together. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, and we'll break this down as we go. Therefore, everyone say therefore. therefore. Laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babies desire pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If needed, you have tested and tasted and see that the Lord is good. Now, let me emphasize something, that these first 10 verses are going to be talking about the privileges of following Jesus, the blessings that come. And then as you read on later on in the chapter, it's going to be talking about duties and responsibilities. This is important because this is a pattern all throughout Scripture. We see that there's blessings that come from following God. There's blessings and benefits that happen from making Him Lord of our life. But then there's also, with those blessings, responsibilities. Now, what's interesting here is chapter 2 begins with, Therefore, my pastor used to tell me all the time, anytime you see the word therefore in scripture, it's there for a reason. Therefore is a connecting word. And when the scriptures were originally written, they were not broken down in chapter and verse. Therefore, we need to connect what he's saying in chapter two with where it originally starts. So back up just a little bit. To chapter 1, at the very end of it, verse 22, and here's what it says. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, uncorruptible, through Jesus Christ, the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Then he quotes Old Testament flesh of the grass, and then at the verse 23, now this is the word by which 
The gospel was preached to you, therefore laying aside malice, okay? So this is what sets us up. How you and I receive God's word is important. Do we come in to hear God's word, receiving it with a half heart, being lazy, out of some religious duty, well, it's what we got to do. We got to go to church. We got to hear the preacher. We got to go to church. We got to go serve. We got to go. How you receive is important. Do you receive out of some religious duty or do you come with anticipation? Do you come asking God, how can you chisel away at my heart to make me more like your son, Jesus Christ? It's just another way of me saying this, that your attitude of heart is going to affect how you receive the word of God. Your attitude, my attitude, is going to determine how we receive God's word. Now, again, I'm not trying to harp on any one person, but I've been in ministry long enough, and I know Pastor Brandon has too, we've often heard the phrase, Well, I quit going to that church because I was, I'm going to use air quotes here, I wasn't getting anything from the preacher. It's my favorite excuse because it's a bold-faced lie. Now, it doesn't mean that there aren't some terrible preachers out there. Lord, help us. I understand that. But that's not the, the reason. The reason why is because their heart has not been free from malice deceit, hypocrisy, evil, and slander. Because I've been to churches just like you have, where someone comes up to me afterwards and says, man, pastor, that was a great message. And another person go, meh. Was it the preacher or was it the people's hearts? It's the people's hearts. And so can we just do something real quick out of putting God's word to practice. Can we, you don't have to say it out loud, but all together as I pray, you pray in your heart, God help me not to have malice in my heart. God help me not to have deceit or be a hypocrite. Help me to be more like you, amen. That should be a prayer that we pray every day. Look at verse two, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Here's point number two. You are responsible for maintaining your desire in receiving God's word. No one else. Not your mom, not your dad, not your Sunday school teacher, not your pastor. You. Just like a baby craves its mother's milk is the same responsibility we have as believers which means God's word is necessary. It's essential for your spiritual growth. In fact, I I dare say this, you cannot grow in the image of Jesus without God's word. Now, when I practiced that in the mirror last night, I just envisioned everyone in the church standing up, giving me an ovation, saying amen real loud. Let me try that again. Let me try that again. Let me back up, say say it with some vigor this time. You cannot grow spiritually without God's word. Amen. Amen. Okay, there we go. Because because growth takes two things. It takes nourishment and exercise. 
What happens if you only get nourishment and no exercise? You end up looking like me. <laughs> We're going to start a club here. <laughs> All the growth nourishment people. And on the flip side, if you don't get nourishment, but you do all exercise, what happens? You don't grow properly. It takes both. It's why we need God's word, and it's why we also need to practice it. Do what James says. Be doers of the word. Amen. Now, I know that we Christians in America, we love to blame our culture and our world for being so dark. We love to blame politicians. We love to blame anyone else that the reason why this world is so dark is because of them. But can I give us a thought? That the darker the world gets, it gives an opportunity for the light to shine brighter. The truth of the matter is, we have not been responsible for maintaining our desire to grow in God's word. And because the world has get darker, it's only been because the light has stopped shining. Have you and I been putting our hobbies, our favorite TV show, our phone in front of us more often than God's word? Verse four, as you come to him, the living stone, so Jesus is the living stone here, Rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. Now, Paul is now, I'm, I'm sorry, Peter is now shifting his metaphor. He moves off of being like a baby who craves spirit, uh, milk and now he's shifting to this building process. And he now says, Jesus is a living stone, and you also are to be stones fit together in what God is building. God is building something, and it starts with Jesus. Verse 6, look at this. It says, chosen and precious. When we are put into place, being built into a spiritual house. Verse 9, it drops down and tells us what we are. Chosen people, royal priesthood, holy nation, God's special possession. But here I want us to focus on something. God is laying the cornerstone named Jesus. God is doing a new work throughout the world. And it starts with Jesus. And he's asking you and me as people who have confessed Jesus as our Savior to get linked up with what he's doing. This work that he's doing is different than what was in the garden. He did a work in the garden, it didn't go so well, and so now he started a new work through his son, Jesus Christ. Everything starts with him. The cornerstone being Jesus, then every stone connected to Jesus is able to build what God's plan originally desired. Now, as we talk about these living stones, <clears throat> it means each one of us has a place. Each one of us, as a living stone connected to Christ, has a specific job and a specific place. Let me give you two thoughts about stones. You have a particular importance in the house of God. You have a skill set and gifting 
that no one else does. And you withdrawing from what God is building creates a deficit. Number two, shaping always occurs to get the stone to fit in the right spot. It's why your commitment to the shaping process, your value and your importance is needed in building his church. The shaping process. Now, the way we design buildings today is different than back then. Some places still do it. They still use stone and they chisel away. But back in biblical days, in order to build something from rock, you had to chisel away the stone to make it square to get it to fit in place. And I often think, if we are living stones, then there should be some chiseling process happening. I know I I have been uh, pastoring now in Hopkinsville for 12 years. Those first two years were rough. I was trying to find out who I was. I was trying to discover what God wanted us to do in the city. And I I know that the preaching was probably, if anything, basic. And there are people in my church that are still there from 12 years ago. Now, I know we're not supposed to have favorites, but I'm going to tell you right now, those are my favorite people. And I'll tell you why, because they stuck it out. They listened to me when I was preaching terribly. They stuck around and prayed for their pastor when I didn't know what to do. They hung out and did the things. I I dare to say they are the type of rock that I want to be. They've had some chiseling happen to them. They've had some rough corners knocked out. We don't like that in the American church. When things don't go the way we want, what do we do? Well, God's called me to another church. Really? Are you sure about that? Because I bet you just got offended or you didn't like the chiseling away process and using God as an excuse not to stick it out. My youth pastor, who I trained under, had a beautiful saying. Write this down in your notes. It's not on the PowerPoint. Here it is. Suck it up, buttercup. (laughs) Getting offended at church? We get offended all the time. We get offended at the pizza place that put the wrong toppings on, but we still eat pizza. We get offended at the school system. We get offended at everything, but we still go. We still participate. We still pay. I get offended at Walmart. They're making me do my own bagging, but I still go. Suck it up, buttercup. (laughs) What would a rock say if we could hear it? Ouch, that hurts. Oh, no, I, I can't give that up. Growing up, I had a favorite book, and I'd love to see by a show of hands how many had this book. It's called Sylvester and the Magic Pebble. Any of you read Sylvester? Come on, up high and prideful. Yeah, a few of you. Okay, a lot of you have not, so I I feel for your childhood you had terrible parents. (laughs) One of my favorite books growing up was about this donkey named Sylvester Duncan, a young donkey from a community called Oatsdale who liked to collect unusual pebbles. And one day, he finds this beautiful red pebble and he discovers it grants wishes. 
Immediately after finding the pebble, a lion comes up to this donkey, Sylvester, to pounce him. And in fear and just reaction, Sylvester says, I wish I was a rock, and turns into a rock, and the pebble falls off. Sylvester is unable to revert to his donkey form as the pebble must be in contact with the wishmaker for it to work. And the rest of the story, you get to hear his thoughts as the years go by. The people that pass the rock in the meadow, not knowing it was Sylvester, the donkey. And after years and years and years, his parents sitting on the rock, old in age, find the shiny pebble next to it, pick it up and say, oh, Sylvester would have loved this pebble. I sure do wish Sylvester was with us. And poof, Sylvester the donkey rock turns back into his original form. You know, I hear so many Christians that are disconnected from what God is doing. And I believe the best place to be connected is with a large group of believers. Why large? Because in large groups like this, there's tons of different personalities that help chisel away at us. Some of our ego, some of our pride. But too many people run away from the chiseling process. Oh, I don't like church. I get hurt at the church. Well, the church is the best place to get hurt. Because it's where you learn to practice forgiveness. It's where you learn to practice patience. It's where you practice love on those that are supposed to be Christians. It's where we practice long-suffering. But too many people, I believe, have adopted the Pink Floyd mindset, just another brick in the wall, that's all I am. Well, no, you're way more than that. You're a stone being chiseled to run with what God has planned. And too many of our churches are filled with people in their seats that, if I could say it this way, are just being a bunch of donkey rocks. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't be no donkey ronk. Three of you said it. Thank you so much. I've met some donkey rocks in my life. But if you and I will be faithful to the chiseling process, then being connected to what God is doing extends our vision for life, extends what God's called us to be. Let's keep going in scripture. Verse six, for in scripture it says, see I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Verse seven, now to you who believe this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, watch this, the stone the builder rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were designed for. You and I were designed by God to run with the vision and the plan that he has for us. But too many of us stumble because we do not stick it out. We do not stick out the chiseling process. Psalms 188 verse 22, it says, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. If you want to know if someone truly walks in faith, 
If their faith is genuine. Now, this is one way. This is not the only way. But it's simply this. And you can ask yourself this. Is Jesus precious to you? No, no, no. Not playing in the worship team. No, no, no. Not door greeting. No, no. Not showing up early and getting the sound all ready. Not running the PowerPoint. Not serving in kids ministry. No, no. Not, not, not serving in VBS. No. All that's great. We need you. Absolutely. But is Jesus precious to you? And I'm not talking Lord of the Rings precious with Gollum and the ring of power, okay? But what Tolkien was trying to say in that book is Jesus Christ is worth defending, is worth protecting, is worth talking about. Do you wake up in the morning asking Jesus to help you not be malice, not be hypocritical? Jesus, what do you want me to do with these finances? Holy Spirit, help guide me throughout the day. Is Jesus precious to you? If he is then, if he is, then you get to claim, verses 9 and 10, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. This is brand new terminology for new Christians in the Bible back then, because back then, God was only reserving it for the Jews, his chosen people. And Peter comes on after Revelation and says, That is now not just reserved for the Jews, but now for also us Gentiles. Gentiles who've accepted Jesus. Americans in this room right now that you've accepted Jesus. You are a chosen priesthood, a royal priesthood, chosen nation, God's special possession. I don't know if you've ever visited a museum. I have many times taken our kids. We homeschool. Um... Another common love that Pastor Brandon and Megan and myself and my wife, we get to communicate on and talk about the homeschool challenges. And um, we would go to museums and they take us through and we'd walk and look at and they say, this is a hat. Here's a bed where they slept. Okay. Here's a cane that they used. And you're looking at all this stuff behind glass going, big deal. Who cares? And then they say things like, this was the top hat that Abraham Lincoln wore in his address. Now you just can't press your face against the glass big enough. Oh, I got to see it. That's Abraham Lincoln, his top hat. That's George Washington's bed. I can't believe it. Ordinary things are regarded as important because of who they're connected to. If you're here this morning as a believer, there's something special about you. Not because you by yourself doing your own thing have so many gifts and talents. No, it's because who you're connected to. You and I claim to be connected to Christ. Well, guess what? You have extreme importance. So why did Jesus, why did God do this for us? Why did he give us these blessings? Was it so we could walk around and throw our arm out from patting ourselves on the back so much? Was it so we could look down on other people? Oh, you're not holy like me. I am a royal priesthood. You, peasant person, do not know Jesus. Was it so we could think of ourselves more superior than others in our community? Absolutely not. 
If you read in the scripture, it says this, to declare the praises of Jesus. That's what Peter wants us to understand this morning, that you and I, like living stones, have a purpose and a place, and so make Jesus precious to ourselves individually and to the people at our work and in our community to serve and love them the way Jesus did. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us this morning. Father God, thank you so much for the opportunity to speak to my brothers and sisters at Edgewood. God, thank you that you brought us here this morning with a heart without malice, a heart that is focused on you. And God, I pray this morning that if there's any of us in this room that we would be completely honest to say, God, you know what? My attitude has not been right. I have not really appreciated the chisel process of life. I pray, Father God, that they would respond to your voice, not mine. If there's those here this morning that would be honest to say, you know, I've, I've really not made Christ precious to me. He's kind of this person that lived a long time ago that I believe is the son of God. And, and because of him, I get to go to heaven. And I'm so grateful for the blessings and benefits of, of, of Christianity. But I've really not made him top priority in my life. That you would respond to the Holy Spirit talking to you. And for the rest of us that are in this room, that we'd say, yes, Christ is precious to me. Yes, I am being chiseled away. I am sticking it out. It's rough. It's hard. But I'm seeing the fruit to it. Now, you would tell the leadership of this church, hey, you know what? God's been working on me. And I know there's a place for me here to proclaim he is Lord. Where can I be placed? I have skills that God's blessed me with. Where would you like me? Because I see what he's doing in our city. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you, church family. Thank you so much for allowing me to come and share from God's word.